This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. Greetings, listeners. This is your host, Alex Jimenez. Today, we are talking with two of our regular guests, Dr. Natalie Marks of Blum Animal Hospital and Dr. John Talmadge of Bigger Road Veterinary Clinic. Our topic for today's episode is focused around what is often referred to in fear-free terminology as the treat ladder. And we're also going to talk about how that concept fits into the larger fear-free picture. Welcome, and thank you both so much for joining us today. Hi, Alex. Good morning, Alex. Good to be here. So for our listeners who have taken the modules and are certified, you might be more familiar with that term. But even if you haven't, you might still be familiar with the concept in other ways. So to get us going, I wanted to start by just asking you both, how would you define the treat ladder? Well, Alex, how about I start? And I'll uh, refer to the treat ladder in a more traditional sense. I know Dr. Talmadge has a very interesting way of of taking it kind of a step further. Um, To us, the treat ladder is a... Um, sort of step-by-step way of finding positive food rewards for our patients and allowing our clients to be active in that decision-making so that we can make our veterinary visits here um, as free from fear, anxiety, and stress as possible. So for our practice, one thing we've done is the first thing that clients see when they check in is our treat letter menu. So we have for dogs and cats, and we have different food treats available for clients to pick from. For dogs, we start with a frozen peanut butter cup. We also have frozen cream cheese cups for those dogs that may have food intolerances. And it works up to dogs that may have more heightened anxiety or um, allergies to cut up pieces of turkey hot dog. We also have um, easy cheese. It's kind of bacon flavored on pretzel sticks. And um, some very, very, I would say, special treats reserved for those really refractory cases that we really don't advertise because um, we use those very, very rarely. For cats, uh, we've been using little um, like condiment plastic containers of tuna and tuna juice, which most of our cats prefer. But we also have uh, thought-out baby shrimp, which uh, are cats that are a little more timid, or have had previous anxiety or are on a sedative for travel seem to prefer better. So for our clients, we allow them to pick first, depending on what their dog or cat responds to most at home. And then we record what they've picked into our emotional record, which um, I think will be in a different podcast series and hopefully we'll have more consensus later. But for our edification, it's important to note what worked well and what also was refused so that we can, in theory, if you think literally and figuratively, sort of move up the treat ladder to maybe a more high reward treat that that uh, dog or cat will prefer next time. So at what point during the appointment process does all of this take place? Is this something that goes into play the second a client and patient walk in the door or do you wait? And how exactly does that work? So we have a couple different options. We prefer to start when our client walks in the door with, for our dogs, a bandana um, sort of sprayed with a daptyl that's placed on them in the lobby. For a dog that's acting incredibly anxious or fearful or stressed, we can have one of our care coordinators, which is our reception team, speak to an assistant and look back into their emotional record if we have one, or if it's a new client, offer them a frozen peanut butter cup in the lobby. 
We try not to bring a lot of food out into the lobby because of potential human food allergy um, and also just because we don't want any kind of food reactivity or resource guarding if there's other dogs in the lobby that aren't getting that or have food allergies or, again, have that reactivity presence. So we start with the adaptal to try and relax them. And then when our room assistants start to usher the client and patient back into the exam room, the first thing that's asked is if it hasn't already been addressed in the lobby, for our standard appointments, you know, what was your um, treat of choice from the menu? And they will bring that in immediately and, and let that patient start to enjoy the positive reward while we get a history. So for cats, um, we have feel-away adapters in our lobby, but also in our cat-friendly area. So we try to keep them in their carrier as long as possible. And as soon as they, again, are ushered into an exam room with one of our room assistants, they are asked what treat they prefer, and they're allowed to have that treat in their carrier usually um, with a towel that has feel-away on it draped over just to keep them in their safe zone as long as possible, um, but with the carrier door open if they prefer to come out on their own. Right. So Dr. Talmadge, Dr. Marks mentioned that you wanted to discuss somewhat of a different perspective on the treat ladder, but before we get into that, does that all sound about how you would describe it in a literal sense? Well, uh, you know, from a literal perspective, uh, I think when people think of treat ladder, they're thinking, what are the treats we can give pets? And similar to Natalie, we've, we've got a menu of a variety of things that we will try on, on different pets. And we, too, have a, an emotional record that we record it into to see what's worked, what's not, so that we can either repeat the experience next time or try something different if we're not having any success. Um, w- one thing that we have found with cats that... Uh, it surprised me is uh, it's called party mix uh, from Friskies, which is a dry party mix that, uh, doggone, if we haven't found more cats that seem to like that than I ever thought would, uh, that won't eat anything else. And so we've been kind of pleased by that. Uh, we've also, uh, the uh, uh, the spray canned che- uh, the canned cheese, mm-hmm. uh, again, a lot of cats that really enjoy the, uh, the canned cheese that, uh, uh, which has kind of surprised me again as well. I, I didn't think it, I knew dogs would love it, but cats would right. have been kind of surprising. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm having a menu of treats like that is, is, is certainly important. As Natalie uh, started um, uh, listing some of the other things that they do as well, we've kind of expanded this concept of, of treat ladder, uh, if you will, to not not just the uh, oral treats that we we can be giving pets, but what are the things other things we're doing to treat them, if you will, uh, to reduce fear, anxiety, and stress? And so uh, that can include um, the, uh, the the pheromones, uh, which certainly we have in our waiting areas and in, in, in each of the rooms uh, for both dogs and cats. Uh, the the feel away, which we uh, also as Natalie's using, we, we spray on towels that drape over the carriers. Um, in cats, you know, we, we try to leave cats in their carriers. We try to, uh, we, we're taking all the carriers apart anymore instead of trying to pull a cat out of a carrier. We work with the owner of we're getting a history to take the carrier apart and try to leave the cat in the bottom of the carrier uh, for as long as we can to keep them comfortable. Um, uh, uh, in, in dogs, uh, we, we will use the thunder shirts, uh, if, uh, uh, and uh, we try to put them on as soon as they come into the waiting area or at least get them to an exam room as quick as we can and get a thunder shirt onto them. 
And we find that that helps maybe in roughly 60% of the cases to help reduce uh, the, the fear, anxiety, and stress in dogs. Um, it, it, it's, it's probably by itself is not going to, to, to do what we need to, but at least it's a start. I, what I tell clients, if you've got a pet who likes to cuddle, uh, dogs that like to sit on your lap, sit right next to you, jump in bed with you, uh, they love the cuddling, then uh, we find that the thunder shirts tend to work better on them. If dogs uh, don't prefer the, that type of contact, then the thunder shirt probably isn't going to work. Getting back to cats, one of the, one of the things we uh, we have in each of the, the cat exam rooms, too, is catnip. Uh, we find a lot of cats that uh, we come in, and if, if they're just not wanting to take any treats, we sprinkle a little bit of catnip into the bottom of the carrier, and we find that a lot of cats uh, really enjoy that and really start to calm down. And and we, we, we start the process of either the treats or some of these other techniques uh, while we're taking history and prior to really getting the physical exam going, really trying to get these pets calmed down uh, while we're in the room and uh, before we actually start the whole physical exam process. Yeah, yeah. So would you say the treat ladder, as we call it, is not necessarily something that works in a silo. It's part of a larger approach when it comes to implementing and carrying out a fear-free visit. Yeah, and, and for us, yeah, it's uh, the the actual physical treats, the food that we use, is part of a of a larger approach uh, in terms of what can we do to treat this pet to reduce fear, anxiety, and stress. So we're not looking at treats; it's just literally. But what are the things we're doing to treat the pet to help reduce fear, anxiety, and stress? And in some pets, we find that if it's just these things just aren't working. You know, we need to go to the next level. And what are the pre-visit drugs that we're going to need to consider? Uh, you know, if this is a pet the first time we've seen it or we haven't seen it in a while, you know, and things just haven't been working out, the pet's just not calming down, we just can't do something, then what the next step is, well, as part of this quote-unquote treat experience, what are we going to treat this pet with prior to its next visit? Um, what are the pre-visit drugs that we need to start considering, being it gabapentin, being a combination of gabapentin and other anti-anxiety medications, whatever. So uh, uh, we, we start to take it to the next level, and we enter that into the emotional record. We'll send the client. We call the audible, where we tell the client we're not going to be able to get these nails done today, uh, but here's what we want to do for the next visit. We want you to try this medication and uh, and then we're going to see if we can get uh, the blood drawn or the nails done on the next visit. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So something that made me also think of was in the modules, they talk about and recommend having the patient come in hungry. Is that something you both agree with? I, w- I would say absolutely. I mean, we want to have the best chance of success with a treat, a food treat. And so if they've just had a full meal, their drive isn't going to be as strong or if they've just had a training class and they've been given, you know, 20 little pieces out of mom's treat bag, um, our peanut butter may not look as appetizing. So I would definitely encourage them coming in, not necessarily fasted, but certainly nothing within the last two to three hours. Um, and the same with cats is, you know, we try to encourage owners to schedule appointments um, when it's kind of around their normal feeding time so that they're hopefully hungry for tuna that they may not or shrimp or um, the the friskies mix that Dr. Talmadge is referring to, um, something that's going to be um, truly a, a little more of a novel food for them that they're not getting every day, just, again, to help with the element of surprise and novelty. 
Very well said. So we've talked about this in a literal sense, as well as how it fits into the larger fear-free approach and ideology. What about some good examples or success stories of all of this in action? Could you both share maybe one or two stories based on your experience with this? Yeah, I certainly can. I can I can start quickly. Um, I've had a, a cat here, um, Max, who has always been, um, we, we used to have a sort of a grading system of, by star, depending on how reactive those patients would be when they would come in, just to give a another colleague, um, again, sort of a heads up if we've had any issues with restraint or being able to examine that patient. This is um, before fear-free, of course. But Max, um, I don't, again, it's kind of one of those things where as a veterinarian, and I know we've talked with um, Marty about this several times, you kind of think to yourself, why weren't we doing this before? It seems right. so, um, so logical and so, and so quote unquote, almost easy. Right. Um, why were we not thinking of this before? And, you know, after Fear Free started um, rolling and we started doing more treat ladder, Max actually had a scheduled appointment and I talked to his mom and I said, Hey Jody, um, this is a silly question, but does Max like shrimp? And she's like, are you crazy? You love shrimp. And I'm like, well, you know, we've always had an issue with Max coming in here um, and just having, you know, a, a stressful exam visit and he has a stressful ride home. And I know you, you know, you mentioned how Max doesn't get along with his housemates for a couple of days and it's stressful on you. Let's try something a little bit different. So I had her give him some gabapentin prior to coming in. We had her not again fast, but restrict food and kind of have him come in around feeding time. And he came right back into the exam room with a feel away towel over his carrier. And we gave him a whole bowl of baby shrimp. And it was like, um, <laughs> like a great white shark came in the carrier <laughs> and oh, it just chowed right into that baby shrimp like nobody's business and walked out on his own accord, which has really never happened before. Now, granted, that wasn't all the baby shrimp. There was all kind of greater aspects of the treat ladder around there. But we sort of like breadcrumbs put baby shrimp down on, on our ground onto a cat bed. We let him come and eat more baby shrimp for just on his own accord and let mom continue to feed him. Now I'm sure he had a very full belly of probably 35 baby shrimp by the end of that appointment. But the first time one, I was able to touch him um, comfortably and give him a really thorough physical exam in probably a few years. Two, Max was the happiest he's been in a very long time. But three, and I think just as important, mom was able to enjoy the visit with us. She was able to ask questions and not continually apologize for how her cat was behaving and to also really see where I was touching him and for us to look at his mouth together, which was huge because he's actually here today with me for um, wow. some oral surgery. So it, it not only led to reduction of fear, anxiety, and stress in Max, and obviously a very full tummy, it brought a better bond to mom who feels much better coming here now that we have a much more specific plan. And above all, better care for Max because I was able to actually look in his mouth. We were able to put together a treatment plan for his oral surgery, and I'll be able to get the infected tooth root abscess out today and have him be happier and healthier at home. So it's a win-win-win, and um, now obviously that's all in his emotional record, and we've got a better game plan moving forward. Wow, and how cool is that for the client to see their pet, essentially their family member, to be treated so positively? I mean... Don't my own human doctor doesn't feed me bowls of shrimp. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and 
I mean, part of that is, you know, it's obviously great for referrals. It's great for building your business. Um, for me, it's building that client bond, right? So now she says, well, you know, my vet took the time to figure out a better strategy so that we can get Max the best care and I can feel much better about coming. And, you know, Max went home with Filaway all over his carrier and he was more relaxed going with his housemates. So overall, it's just a better experience. But I, I think, again, we have to remember, too, fear-free also creates better medicine. So we're able to do more thorough exams. We're able to plan out things that I wasn't able to visualize before or if we were very crudely and, you know, surprises and unexpected complications can potentially arise from that. So it's a much better visit overall and certainly um, sort of a kind of a triad of things that I'm going to move forward with with some of our more reactive kitties um, historically. Right, right. Go Max. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Dr. Talmadge? Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. great. You, you know, I, uh, I I think we're fortunate in that, you know, we're seeing success stories every week with uh, patients that we've either one had difficulty with in the past and we're able to do things better and more thorough today than we were in the past, or we're seeing new clients that uh, have uh, come uh, uh, with either new pets moved to the area or from uh, other clinics in town. Uh, where uh, I, the example that comes to mind is Katie, who is a domestic short hair female cat that was about 12 years old, that the owner thought uh, she would like to have a dental done, but uh, w- w- the cat would not let the other uh, clinic examine her. And in fact, uh, last time uh, she took the cat into the kennel, they took her in back, uh, Katie, to try to do an exam, and then uh, they went and got the owner and said, we can't get her out of the kennel. And they they were literally were not able to touch her, and so they came in, and uh, you know we did the feel away, uh, the towel over the ca- uh, the kennel, uh, we took the kennel apart, uh, we threw some uh, uh, the party mix into it, and she uh, was uh, uh, starting to enjoy that, and uh, gave uh, gave a little bit of the uh, catnip, and we've actually got a video of me examining Katie and opening her mouth and looking at her teeth as the owner is telling me that the other clinic could not even get close enough to touch her. <laughs> I've got the video of actually opening up her mouth and wow. looking at her teeth. She needed a dental. In fact, we had her in two weeks later and uh, needed a cryonectomy on one of her lower molars. She had a, a reabsorptive lesion. And so, uh, again, uh, per Natalie's comment, a case of where uh, better medicine that we can practice because we were able to do the exam and get it done. Right, right. Yeah, and to, just to kind of build on that point, um, the the videos we've been capturing as well and, and putting on Facebook and getting really good um, reviews and shares, but I do hear that feedback quite a bit as well. You know, my previous veterinarian never was able to open the mouth. My previous veterinarian was able, never able to take a temperature. My previous veterinarian was never able to um, draw blood. And, you know, we weren't able to either prior to Fear Free. But again, it's this new way of thinking and being creative. And um, if a, one plan doesn't work, we've got plan B, C, and D now. And our Fear Free community of asking our different colleagues around the country what's working for them and what's not working for them, I think is also very helpful. Of course, of course. I'm really glad you mentioned that because it really isn't a one size fits all. And that's so important to remember. Sometimes with a lot of these things, it takes trying a couple things and making adjustments. 
and ultimately comes down to what works for the individual patient. So that does it for today's show. I really can't thank you both enough. I know I caught you both between surgeries and appointments, so we really appreciate your time, and thank you all that you do for advancing the Fear Free Initiative in general. You bet, Alex. Thanks you so much, take Alex. Care. Absolutely. So for those who aren't certified, be sure to check out fearfreepets.com to learn more on how you can become certified and join what has become actually a massively growing movement with thousands of certified professionals around the world. For those that are certified, please, and I really mean please for your own sake, be sure to check out the additional fear-free resources and toolbox on vetfolio.com because there are some excellent resources there for you and your team that actually come with your certification and registration that can really help take the implementation of fear-free to the next level. As always, thanks for listening.